Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are diving directly into a one-shot prompt from a previous listener. But before we do, let's go ahead and remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to come follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and chat with us directly or become part of our community, there's a link for that on the description of this episode and on the website as well. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on our Patreon, where you'll get access to all sorts of sweet, sweet patron-only goodies, including patron-only episodes known as the Aphid Lounge. You can get double the length of your prompts when you submit them. You will also get access to our patron-only Discord channel and all sorts of other fun stuff. If you're interested, you can click the link in the description of the episode or follow it along on the website itself and uh, do that. With all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and roll right into the prompt. This one was submitted by Matthew N., who you might remember from another prompt earlier, uh, late last year, actually. How time flies. Anyways, the prompt is, The land after time, years and years after the apes rose up and overthrew the humans, they decided to journey up to the stars, leaving behind a world devoid of civilization. In that vacuum, many new sentient races rose up. The cats, the crows, the rats, and the monkeys. The tenets. The remnants of advanced technology left by the apes is used and treated as the magic system of this world. Number two, the world isn't overtly post-apocalyptic. This is the next generation building something new. And the final tenet, the world plays into some classical fantasy tropes while reframing it in this new context of our world, millennia into the future. For example, moles have evolved into the, into the dwarves of this world. Um, and probably not going with that one. Well, or monkeys. I, think, I think it's a good idea. It's yeah, well, idea. you can bring it up in one of your tenets <laughs> and then I can negate it by uh, just saying no. Anyway, mm. or monkeys into the elves, given their connection to the risen apes of myth. These are just examples and not must have. So a big thank you, Matthew, for your prompt. And I'm excited to dive right into this. So, Courtney, for the last couple of episodes, I have like teased you by asking you mm -hmm. to go first. And that's no different. Daniel, get us started mm -hmm. with your yep. first tenant. Yep. What do you got for us today? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I wanted to add that the animals do not have and are incapable of having a common language. And this mm -hmm. has created friction between them as they try to restore their civilization. Oh, my. That's actually like very that. fabulous. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I feel like that's something that is so often ignored in mm -hmm. fantasy media and especially when there's like these animal type races mm -hmm. involved. But I mean, it makes sense like the they've evolved to have different vocal functions, so they mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to speak a common language. And frankly, I can't wait to throw in my uh, hitch, which is, of course, one of them can talk to the other ones, but we'll get into that <laughs> later. But first of all, I completely agree with you, Courtney, mm -hmm. that the homogenization of like, yes, everyone speaks common is definitely something that's played out, especially in something like 
uh, a D&D RPG or something like that. The the difference mm-hmm. between languages, I think, should be emphasized more to add a sense of like exploration, to add a sense of intrigue. And like like Daniel brought up, like this idea that conflict can arise as a result, right, of miscommunication. And that's really interesting. I love that idea a lot. Yeah, um, it makes me think to this sci-fi book that I had read and that I've probably brought up a few times on the podcast called Sirius by Olaf Stapledon. Mm. And it's about a basically a genetically modified dog who is given the, the intelligence of a human, but he's still a dog. And so he's sort of trapped in this form where he can't communicate with most people like his direct mm. family um, close relations. They they learn to understand and like make sense of the noises that he makes, but he's still sort of trapped by his physiology. He can't, you know, get up on his hind legs and walk around and open up doors. He's still a dog. Yeah. Cognition without thumbs is a difficult thing to manage. Yeah. 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 That's great. Uh, very exciting. Uh, anything else you want to add to your own tenet, Daniel? Um, yeah. I just want to stress that they're also, for whatever reason, and we can figure this out, incapable of having a common language. Mm-hmm. A common language. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. You'll you'll see what I'm getting at. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like twiddling my fingers like a vi- like a supervillain right now. You'll understand. Courtney, why don't you get us started uh, with your first tenant? Go ahead and tell us all about it. Sure. Uh, right after I tell you about my first tenant. Son um, of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is whatever time period we are focusing on here is a time of great upheaval and civil war. Uh, focusing and stressing on civil war there. Hmm. That's it. Very simple. I I just feel like we haven't had a good war or like conflict that is like a a traditional-ish conflict in a while. So I'm like, hell, Mm -hmm. let's do this. Yeah. Hmm. So civil war is in like within a particular race? Potentially. I mean, we we Hmm. haven't really eked out what the factions might look like. I know that they're they're pretty well labeled here within the prompt of like cats, crows, rats and monkeys and stuff. However, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to be cordoned off into their own different empires. There can be mixed groups within them. So, yeah, however, we manage to split the power line or power systems. I want there to be a civil war and then I want that to be a fairly integral part to the conflict that's involved. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's going to. um make us decide like how do these these races intermix you know and mm-hmm. and if they have governmental structures you know as like Courtney was saying is it multiple governmental structures belonging to a variety of diversity of races or mm-hmm. is it within one of them and that's impacting the other ones outside of it mm-hmm. because whatever the case a civil war will have ripple effects throughout their society mm-hmm. especially if they're trying they're going through some sort of restoration period yeah and then mm-hmm. like how closely do we want to stick to For example, the lifespans of animals as they exist now, like rats are sadly very short lived. They only Mm -hmm. live for a couple of years, whereas, you know, monkeys can live for many decades. Well, that's interesting. That could create like a power Mm -hmm. imbalance there. Well, I mean, I I think that that kind of shifts how their cultures would kind of form, right? Like Mm -hmm. if we were to keep a, a similar kind of timeline then maybe the rats are perhaps more ambitious or perhaps more mm. uh, they they want to do more with the short amount of time. So there's a different emphasis, cultural emphasis on, you know, it, they would essentially be like the humans of the setting, right? Because 
in traditional fantasy, elves live hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? They mm-hmm. watch all their human friends die and they're like, oh, look at those, look at those humans. They're off doing all sorts of ambitious things, right? <laughs> like I, I see that parallel and I can mm-hmm. see like we can just match the tempo there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. It could be like exaggerated too, which would be interesting, mm-hmm. especially since they're uplifted animals in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm certainly okay exploring that idea, you know, like I, I'm interested in the idea that rats perhaps aren't like, okay, we've got five good years in us and then we're dead. Like maybe, maybe like, I think that might be a little bit extreme, but yeah, you, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a reason that they multiply as prolifically as they do. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can, on top of that, we can also like take the, the concept of these animals rather than the, the literal animals. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, if we're talking about rats, we're talking about a uh, evolutionary uplifting of rats or some kind of magical uplifting. So Mm -hmm. that means that they may not even resemble rats in a way we understand, but the qualities of rats are Mm -hmm. all there from a, from a kind of a story crafting sense. Right. You know, so like they're, like you were saying, ambition, I think is a great one because maybe that's a result of, you know, they're always having to be survivor kind of mammals. Mm. And so perhaps Mm -hmm. that's expressed in some other way now that they're uplifted. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with kind of having these as like shorthand, you know, Uh, when I think of, you know, cats, I don't think it's necessarily just going to be anthropomorphic cats or felines, you know, I can imagine these as groupings. So when they say crows, I imagine that it can be like, hey, they mean corvid or like general Mm -hmm. bird ish thing, right? Not necessarily like the genus, et cetera, of crow, right? Yeah, yeah. Though I I do like the idea of going in like the anthropomorphic animal direction. Mm-hmm. I guess it's more straightforward. It is more straightforward, but I I and, and I'm not opposed to the idea. I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, we we already have two episodes where we've talked about anthropomorphic animals. So it can I mean it could be a mix too, right? So for mm-hmm. example, true, true. The result could be anthropomorphic, but the it's not like a literal bipedal cat, right? Like so mm-hmm. you have some kind of Ooh. bestial entity, like in the sense that you might have like aliens that resemble uh, in some way certain yeah. animals, but it's based on a cat, which is really what we do in sci-fi all the time with a lot of our aliens. Like we take qualities no. of different, <laughs> you know, like different different races and animals and merge them all together. So I can yeah. see that easily working. Mm-hmm. Um you know, hopefully not as corny as, say, a Trek alien, because <laughs> we have the budget here to do whatever we want, you see. It's just a person with cat ears. Exactly, right? Oh, so God, like, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's literally just cats from the movie and play cats. There we go. That's what it is. Oh, God. No. Sans butthole in everything. That's uh, That's what we're looking at. Edit those out, please. <laughs> <laughs> what, the instances of me saying butthole or just the buttholes? In oh, general? no, the, the buttholes. Okay, yes. All the editing yep. that they had to do for the yep. movie. Courtney is very anti-butthole, so <laughs> <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I think we've now broken the record of how many times we've said butthole on an episode. And I frankly, think so, too. Yeah. I, I'm going to just keep racking that up, so okay. keep a tally going. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I I do like the idea that yeah, they could resemble things, but be different, especially because the prompt even says that it's like millennia in the future. So obviously stuff's mm-hmm. changed and maybe there was some genetic modification along the way. Like who knows what the humans did before they were sort of overpowered. Who knows what the apes did mm-hmm. and so on. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Uh, and speaking of being right there with you, Courtney, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what your first tenet is? We haven't gotten to you yet somehow. Yeah, somehow. Weird. Mm. Weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I really like the idea of a post-apocalyptic world that isn't what you imagine when you think of that kind of setting mm-hmm. and sort of flesh that out in a tenet. Uh, I want part of the reason for that to be that the apes had essentially re-terraformed the earth before leaving. Like they saw the damage that humans had done as far as destroying ecosystems and using fossil fuels and all that and wanted to leave the earth in a better place for future life. So they figured out ways to like uh, reforest the Amazon or like set up structures in the ocean to reflect sunlight back into space, repopulate insects, stuff like that. Hmm. I'm I'm glad that you went this direction because I'm also fairly uninterested in exploring a traditional, you know, post-apocalypse setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like our uh, solar punk adjacent sort of setup. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Should be nice. So really, it's that it's been reconfigured. And because it's been reconfigured, this requires reconfiguring society. Mm. What do you mean by that? Like, so the prompt suggests that there's work to be done to restore things. So I wonder if the apes, when they terraformed the planet to kind of heal it, maybe that had some negative effects on civilization itself. And so these animals either had to tame those wilds or maybe um, because they weren't. I don't know if they were had sentience at that point, but like they had to contend Mm -hmm. with this terraforming in some way. Because it seems like the state of the world is adversarial to the entities in it to some degree. I see. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that could be interesting if like. If even that was part of their sort of evolutionary process to gain sentience, if like delving back into the environment and facing all of these new challenges that they hadn't had to face before somehow triggered more intellectual growth. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, actually. Huh. Well, that's neat. Let's see what else we got. Daniel, what else you got for us, sir? Um. This one introduces an artifact of an unknown kind. God, you and your artifacts, Daniel. Oh, it's there's a the twist. Uh-huh. There, it says um, previous to apes in the prompts that there were human beings. Mm-hmm. So this tenant says that there is a surviving mythical human being that's mm-hmm. somehow integral to uplifting or rebuilding civilization um, in the present time to be found in the world. So it's, it's interesting. It's a human. So it's pre apes even. Yes. Wow. Okay. And the one caveat I would put to that is like, we don't know how far this really is in the future. So that mm-hmm. human could be something other than what we understand as humans currently. Sure. With the, you know, obvious understanding that it is in some way human being, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like it's not like um, an energy being from Neptune. That's not actually human. It just, it mm-hmm. may not be a human that we know of now, but it is from human beings, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if this were a cheesy, like, old episode of star trek it's like i'm just imagining that there's like a cryogenic chamber and they like wipe away the frost on the glass and underneath is hitler and it's like <laughs> dear god it's hitler. Yeah, like just it's the only hitler. one they froze yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> for some reason yeah it's like you hear like the musical sting it's like dear god it's hitler and it's like but the, the animals are like whatever we don't fucking care, we care. what's a hitler you know <laughs> uh, it makes me think of our uh, land of a thousand billionaires setting with uh, oh with girl hitler or with lady hitler fascist yeah. yeah lady yeah. fascist yeah exactly yeah, yeah. oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, okay. Do we want to add anything to your big artifact yet, Daniel? Or do we want to kind of unveil that as we go on? And we can figure out what it is as we go. I would just stress that it's, we can 
flavor the human. It doesn't have to be like, you know, Mark Twain in a glass tube, right? It could be. <laughs> well, now it's got to be Mark Twain in a glass tube. <laughs> yeah, like those are the two flavors of human, by the way. You have Mark Twain and Hitler. Like, only two options. Only For two. example, you know, like you could have like a robot that has a human consciousness in it. Uh-huh. You could have the genetic material of a human that if reconstituted could be made into someone. You know, all kinds of options. Like mm-hmm. Gross. I, I, I hate. Oh, I hate thinking about that. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Great. No, this is this is exciting. This is starting to come together. And this is where I'm going to like kind of fuck with Daniel just a little bit, because like I feel like I haven't fucked with him enough in a while. But Daniel, your first tenet involved the idea that there wasn't a shared language, correct? Yes. OK, here's what I want to focus on, because I'm a big fan of crows and corvids in general. I think they're really cool birds. I think they're really interesting and I think they're really smart. So my second tenet was the corvids and crows of this world are uh, renowned as explorers and merchants due to their love of shiny things. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing that I would like to add to that is that corvids are known for being able to mimic speech in some ways. So I would love if the translators of this world in some way could be corvids. And mind you, I don't care if they're very good at translating, but I want there to be a rudimentary level of translation that the Corvids are capable of doing. I love that because mm-hmm. because they can't communicate normally like the rest of the races. Mm-hmm. That makes the Corvids have a position of power, but also depending on their temperament, like they could be exploitative with that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yes. Like, however you want to do it, you know. I think yeah. It's like- I, I thought that would be a fun little like twist to that idea. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm glad that you're behind it, Daniel. That makes me happy. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, especially thinking about like not even intentionally, but I feel like they could probably easily be misunderstood because of the mm-hmm. differences in vocal uh expression oh, yeah. between the different races. So like how is it gonna sound like a rat says something that's translated by a crow that mm-hmm. then is heard by a cat. Like that's going to be oh, an yeah. absolute mess. <laughs> yeah. I, I did have this idea that it would be like several layers of Google translate to get through like yeah, as their yeah. way of communicating, <laughs> which is like ridiculous because it's like they are integral to the functioning of this world and translation of this world. But it is very much like, Oh boy, what did they say? What's going? Okay, Daniel, what's that episode where they of Star Trek where they only speak through like phrases? A Darmok episode. Yeah, there you go. Where it's like arms wide open, Tanakh yeah. means Janot or some bullshit like that. Like Daniel knows what I'm talking about. I love that episode. Yeah. For those who haven't seen Star Trek, it was an episode where the aliens only communicated in the equivalent of like Cohen's or metaphors, mm-hmm. and so the computer couldn't translate it because it didn't. It wasn't a language as far as it understood. Right. So the characters and just as it was, as it used to be in the in the days of Star Trek, when they produced material that wasn't complete <laughs> garbage, they used their minds as opposed to phaser rifles and machine guns to solve problems. And ran. well, that sounds boring. Like, I don't want to watch that, though. I want the <laughs> Daniel has the new season of Picard. How's, uh, how's Picard oh going? Is it great? In the, I was waiting when I when I OK. Slight diversion. I was, I was like, okay, I'm only gonna watch this to cause myself physical harm because I hate this. I hate it's literally the worst Star Trek ever made. But I sat there. I'm gonna watch the season three and see what it's like. I was counting the seconds till the first machine gun appeared. Within three minutes, 
Beverly Crusher, oh the medical officer what? of the next <laughs> generation, was wielding a laser machine gun. What? Okay, okay, I'm glad that you specified because I'm like, why would they use yeah. a regular ass machine gun? That doesn't huh? make any sense. No, she, sorry, she had a when she was being machine gunned at by, by uh, laser. Of okay. course, but she was still using a phaser rifle. Like, because why? Why do you need a phaser oh. rifle when a phaser can disintegrate people? Why do you need to have that as a thing? I don't know. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I'm going with um, (laughs) in terms of uh, cultural differences. I think that'd be interesting. Also, I do I do love the concept of that idea, by the way, Daniel, the Star Trek episode, like that you can only communicate through like aphorisms and metaphor. Like that's a really cool concept. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great. It was a great episode. I think that'll be it'll be helpful, too, because I feel like these these beings might have to communicate to the races that they're trying to bridge the gap for mm-hmm. in idioms or in, mm-hmm. in language that makes sense, you know, to them. Mm-hmm. So like, they're the only ones that maybe, I don't know. I assume they, they can understand others because they mimic the language. Right. So yeah. they must have to translate what the others are saying into metaphors that make sense to this. Mm-hmm. So that's where there's a loss yeah. of meaning, you know? Yes. And in particular, I'm actually thinking of cats, right? Because, because we are humans, we have an over focus on like, oracular stuffs, right? Like we trust our eyes more than anything. However, species like cats, they typically do a lot with scent, right? Like they rub on you to get their mm-hmm. scent on you. Pheromones and like scent plays a big part in like how they communicate, yeah. body language, lost. right? So when they meow, the corvid is like, okay, they said this, but like their body language and pheromones are saying something entirely yeah. different, right? Oh, that's cool. So mm-hmm. that is some way that we can add in a little bit of like mistranslation and whatnot. That is just an added wrinkle to it, you know? And then of course, what becomes interesting is that you have individual Corvid who are used to like these different sorts of cultural and language expressions. So they're like, okay, I know what this means, but I don't know how to express it necessarily. Or like, I know what this means and it means this, and they can give a better translation as a result. Like it shows proficiency mm-hmm. in cultural exchange and stuff like that. So that that's a really cool aspect that we can play with as well. Yeah, I love that. And it, it totally does make sense too, because like even human languages, like if you read a book that's been translated from another language, often translators will change uh, certain phrases or right. like sayings that make perfect sense in that language. That's like some natural phrasing, mm-hmm. but when translated into another, it's like, what the fuck are they talking about? So they have to kind of mm-hmm. switch stuff around so that it makes sense for the culture that it's being presented to. Right. And that lives on in English as well. I mean, we have phrases mm. like schadenfreude, which are very clearly like expressions that are not English yeah. in origin, but it's like you get the idea. So like maybe there's some stuff that we can play with around with that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, OK, this is all very exciting. Courtney, I'm excited to see how you bring us home with your final tenet. All right. Uh, so when I was reading the races in the prompt, uh, the cats, the crows, the rats, the monkeys, it immediately made me think of Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> so, so inspired yeah. by that, I'm going to say there is a hidden temple of some sort somewhere in this world that the various races are trying to find and investigate that may or may not hold secrets or treasures mm. or what have you. And I, I'm wondering now, after hearing Daniel's tenet, yes. is that related to Obviously. This, uh, this last mm-hmm. human? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's very. I mean, you have you have two pieces of red twine that have been cut in half. You just got to tie them back together. It's mm-hmm. very obvious that that's what we're going with, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, come yeah. on. Or if you wanted to add a step of obfuscation to it, then you can say that the human that Daniel wanted to put at the center 
is the key to getting into this temple, right? Uh, His yeah. name could be like Kirk Fogg or something like that. And we can <laughs> kind of go from there. I like, I like the idea of, of the human being the goal like in the temple mm. potentially because mm. I, I have a feeling that it's not going to be human in a way that we're used to. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so it could be like if we were looking at this cinematically or from like a narrative perspective, it would play with the audience's expectations of what yes. it would be. Okay. Yeah. Cause they probably know what they're after, but the audience doesn't realize, Oh, it's something, it is a human, but it's like in a form we didn't think of, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a crab. It's like a crab man. <laughs> Just a crab man. With yeah. Lots of, lots of crab Hitler. <laughs> crab, crab Hitler. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who gave him pinchers? Look out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Daniel, can you run that? Well, actually, I don't know if the prompt would allow you, but if you could run that through uh, some kind of an AI bot, that would be great. I can great. do it in SD yeah. though. You want Crab Hitler <laughs> coming right up? Uh, can I have Robot Crab Hitler? Robot that would Crab be... Hitler? Yes, easy, easy. barely okay. an inconvenience. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> uh we'll, we'll we'll post that somewhere on discord actually if you can make that in the thread courtney for discord that would be great i would really okay. appreciate that okay. um <laughs> okay i feel like we have a really good basis for this world now though is how, how are we feeling about that do we have any questions that need to be answered um i guess we haven't like established a technology level but I feel like we can probably flesh that out or maybe we don't even yeah. need to decide that at the moment. Also, yeah. I also just realized I'm thinking about like the next step, which is like preparing for the summary. We haven't really figured out a conflict for the civil war that's going on. Have we? Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. true. So, so I think maybe we can get ahead of that, that uh, reconciliation. Just talk about it now. What is, what's the civil war? Like what's going on? Is it because of a Corvid mistranslation? <laughs> Or like a series uh-huh. of mistranslations? Or like, what are we thinking here? Or is it a deliberate uh, power play by the Corvids themselves, right? Like hmm. they deliberately mistranslate in some ways. That's what I was thinking too, is I wonder if there's multiple things going on. Like there's a mistranslation. There is um, some, like, I guess, uh, yes, all other things. There is a mistranslation. There mm-hmm. is some kind of plot by perhaps some faction within the Corvids to mm-hmm. manipulate things. And I wonder if to um, the knowledge of long lost information, long lost technology related to this human mm-hmm. in this temple could be at stake, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can we also maybe say that that's what sparked the initial conflict to begin with is something that happened. To, there's conflict over this artifact. Yeah, yeah I think that makes sense. as like the central mm-hmm. focus of the Civil War. Sure. And in the meantime, there's like a Corvid conspiracy happening. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's like the Corvids wanted to mess things up so that they could get there first, or maybe Mm -hmm. they don't want it to be discovered at all. Ooh, are they using the Civil War as like kind of like a smokescreen to further their research into this artifact or something like that? It could be something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, that's diabolical. That like they would deliberately like cause this massive civil war just so they could be the ones to get their hands on the artifact and human. Yeah, I mean, crows and ravens are associated with like trickster gods and stuff. So it kind of makes sense. It's true. It's very true. Although, like I said, they're in this world. My tenet was that they're associated as explorers and yeah, merchants. Yeah. So, I mean, it could it could work either way. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Okay, I, I feel I feel a lot more satisfied. Are, are, are we okay with going in that direction? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So they're using the Civil War as a smokescreen to make a power play for the artifact. And then we'll figure out whether or not they're successful at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Let's Let's go ahead, and unless we have any more questions, we can go back to our summary of our current tenets, and then we'll roll the twist and see where we go. Yeah, sounds good. Fabulous. Okay, so Daniel, start us off. Remind us what your first tenet was. Um, the races can't communicate um, and are incapable of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's mostly true, but having that pivot point of the Corvids makes for a more interesting setting overall. I feel yes. like that's been pretty well established. We have, we've definitely talked about it pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. I wonder, the one thing I would ask, though, is why can't they communicate? Like, I know we said that their physiologies make it difficult, mm-hmm. but they also are a high technology civilization. I mean, by, through magic or whatever. But like, why haven't they solved a language problem? Is there something fundamentally problematic? Well, I, I, maybe they're still early on in their development, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, they're using advanced technology. But again, they they might not be intelligent to truly understand how it works. I mean, they did mention how it's basically magic to them. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, creating steampunk zeppelins or rivet guns or anything like that. Like they could just be like, oh, this is basically magic. We don't understand how it works. And they're still very nascent in their kind of uprising civilizations, you know? Well, beyond technology, though, I would imagine even like old cultures that don't have a lot of technology would figure out ways to communicate with each other, yeah. like do it by language. So I wonder if there's some reason uh, why they can't figure that out or do that. I'm wondering if it's like, a pride issue like mm. nobody wants to give another race like how to explain it um like everybody would want their language to be the common language and nobody wants to give that up and nobody's willing to sort of step back and develop a new shared language well i think what daniel's emphasizing is they can't communicate right mm-hmm. is that correct daniel like that's what yeah, you're more interested like, in talking about here that would okay. make sense but then that means that some people would be able to communicate I with see. each other yeah. they just right. weren't yeah. all adherent to the culture you know yeah mm-hmm. like i don't know to throw out some possibilities like you know were they designed to be able to communicate oh. um, is it a problem of their uplifting is it like i don't know like is there some magic in place that prevents them from talking to being able to communicate in the Corvids or exams? Like, I'm wondering, like, what does it stop them mm. from doing? Okay. 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 Well, well, maybe it's just, th- okay, hold on. I, I have like a 6,000 ideas running <laughs> through my head. At once. <laughs> Let me get out this one first, because I think this might be interesting. Maybe the thing that the human has the key to unlock is the ability to communicate. It, uh, it, they are oh, essentially yeah. a living Rosetta stone or they're capable mm-hmm. of creating yes. communication yeah. so having yeah, a MacGuffin like. be communication is really interesting and is something yeah. that like that we can all strive for especially when the corvids are the ones who are after it because they mm-hmm. see that as the <gasps> ultimate power play as maintaining their like hegemonic grip on the world and the i bet the corvids have have some fragment of it in a sense that that's Ooh. what enables them mm-hmm. i mean they're naturally yeah. able to mimic speech right. but maybe they also yeah. have a fragment of it you know and they have a better understanding of this as a result. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This um sort of mimics like the Tower of Babel, like mm-hmm. just the idea that there is like a a potential for one shared language, one universal thing, but mm-hmm. at some point that was like destroyed for whatever reason. So maybe like basically what they're seeking out is that tower. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thanks for naming the uh, place that we're all looking for, Courtney. That uh, helped <laughs> yeah, out yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Is it Babel or Babel, by the way? I've always said Babel. I don't know. Okay. I assume yeah. it's Babel. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure that I'm sure that there's contradictory evidence in both ways. So just say whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you want. You know. Okay, sounds good. It's kind of like Caesar or Kaiser, you know, or yeah. Chingus or Genghis. Like, just say whatever you want. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna judge you, Courtney. I mean, I mean, well, although to be fair, you're a woman on the internet, so you are going to get judged. So <laughs> right away, instantly, know. yeah. Exactly. And I just lost a listener by saying that. (laughs) She's a woman? What the fuck? (laughs) Like, damn it. What the hell? (laughs) Oh, man. All right. (laughs) Let's 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 move on. Uh, Okay, so we uh, Daniel, are you feeling more satisfied now? Oh, yeah, I think that explains it all now. Fabulous. Okay. And um, my first tenet was the period in which we're focusing on is a time of great upheaval and civil war. Uh, like I said, I kind of jumped ahead of that one and we we answered that pretty well. And I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that as we are now with the Corvids using it as a smokescreen, all that good stuff, you know. And <clears throat> Courtney, what was your first tenant? Um, a side note, apparently British English, Babel, American English can be either Babel or Babel. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's another point for us Americans. Just want to toss that out. There. It always ends up boiling down to some American slash British, you know, pronunciation yeah. thing. <laughs> Although their pronunciation of aluminum is so much cooler. Aluminium. Aluminium. Yeah, it does sound pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, uh, yes, but I, look, I'm always willing to throw up two middle fingers to the royalty if it meet like so by pronouncing <laughs> words differently. Or spelling words differently and then saying that's how you correctly spell them. Like color has no U in there. What's the mm-hmm. U doing, Brits? Like, come on, get your queen together. Oh, sorry. She's dead. King. <laughs> King together. He hasn't been uh, coronated yet, right? He's still oh, I suppose so. So the dead king. one's still the queen. Okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, moving on. Courtney, yes. what was your first tenet, please? Yes, uh, that was that the apes had like re-terraformed the earth before mm-hmm. uh, leaving for the stars. So they kind of canceled out the damage that humans had done. What damage? What are you talking about? <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. That sounds mm-hmm. good. I don't feel like we've done really anything with that. Yeah, that that's definitely yeah. something that we haven't touched on or made important mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, it's definitely more of like a background element. But I think it's just like the... The fact that these races now basically have to like venture into this wilderness and forge their own paths. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, there's going to be ruins that are left, but mm-hmm. I don't think they can just like hop into some random city and be like, oh, this is all set for us. Like they've mm-hmm. got to kind of do their own thing. Well, can like we make the, it more like central? the pilgrims did when, <laughs> when they thought that like, hey, wow, all of these like townships have basically been made for us, including like perfectly manicured gardens and like farms wow god must love us <laughs> but it was really just germ warfare and genocide before mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry i'm on a, i'm on a tizzy day all i'm sorry i apologize i have, I have an idea to make this more central like Ooh, um, what, do you got? what if um the language being able to communicate with each other is what the corvids are manipulating and what they think they can get out mm-hmm. of this human artifact or the mm-hmm. human right but what if it's more than that and they don't understand that fully and that 
the language that they're going to get is not just language to communicate, but it's in fact a way to understand the language of nature that's been put in place by the Ooh. apes to Ooh. terraform the world. So if they had control over this, they could control the wilds through this unknown language. Ooh, that's cool. And that factors well into the um, the magic that was mentioned yes. in the prompt. Mm -hmm. It's nature magic now. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's dope. Absolutely. That is very cool. Yeah. Good, good job, Daniel. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah. I'm in the background generating robot crab uh, Hitlers, by the way. I've generated like 100 of them, but I need, it's not giving me all the elements at once. So I'm uh, son of a bitch. It needs, it needs the stash. Obviously. There's a lot of interesting robot Hitlers it made, though. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, it knows oh, what a robot Hitler is. It just doesn't know what I mean by with crab claws. <laughs> It's the crab part. That, wait, mm -hmm. what happens if you remove robot and just have crab Hitler? Oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, hold on. Before you do that, Daniel, you're back. We're back around to your first tenant again. So, what is your first tenant? Tell us that, and you can go back to making uh, crab Hitler. My first tenant. Oh, well, the, sec the second tenant. Second tenant. Sorry, tenet? second tenant. Second tenant. Yes. Second tenant was that there is a human that is the last remaining human um, that's mythical in some way and integral to the uplifting or rebuilding of civilization. Mm -hmm. And by tying it to language, I feel like we've satisfied that pretty well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Now it's just giving me crabs. Now it's just giving you crabs. Not even crab Hitler. Like Nazi wow. symbols with crabs. <laughs> oh, that's bullshit. Get out of here with that. It's nonsense. disappointing. <laughs> Wow, it's just interesting. I, <laughs> Nazi iconography that's generating, though. Wow. <laughs> now they've got Hitler with crabs surrounding him and a Nazi symbol that kind of looks like a Nazi symbol. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Daniel, no. Wow. Nobody, I'm going to have to delete this shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost Daniel to crabs and Nazis. Dear God. Real anti Semitic shit this thing's generating. Oh, oh, really? Oh, oh no. Boy. Okay. I mean, just by virtue of its iconography. <laughs> Abort. Hard abort. Get out yeah. of there, Daniel. Get out of there quick before you're Definitely fucking... not as crab Hitler. We gotta switch back to robot. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Off the rails and I love it. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. My second tenet was that the Corvids are renowned for their abilities to explore and be merchants. And also that thing about uh, them being able to translate because, you know, mm -hmm. birds can mimic and stuff like that. So, yes. Uh, I'm very satisfied. We've made that pretty integral to the plot and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Uh, Courtney, what was your second tenant and our final tenant? Let's knock it out. So mine was that uh, inspired by Legends of the Hidden Temple. There's right. a hidden temple somewhere that these races are seeking out. And we link that up with Daniel's human and also the Civil War. And basically mm -hmm. the crows are trying to to seek this out for their own power. Hell Yes. Okay. Uh, very happy about how that turned out. What about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. Definitely. Great. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I think that solves it for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, with okay, we, we've summarized everything. We've solidified the ideas in our head. Let's go ahead and roll for the twist and see how we have to reconcile it. All right. And our twist this time is the world is much smaller than you think hmm. and that's interesting okay how do we how do we make that a thing how, how can we reconcile that is this like all taking place in a zoo or like one wild life no. or something? <laughs> that, we already stole from star trek enough this episode 
it's we're not talking menagerie with the whatever like we don't okay maybe but like <laughs> let's let's put that on the maybe pile for now and like try and think of something cooler okay oh it is world the world if we could take that metaphorically the locus of the story mm-hmm. smaller than we think i mean we could also just make it so because we're considering that and correct me if i'm wrong here I think everyone here is kind of considering the idea that these animals are human sized, correct? I wasn't. Mm, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean, uh, sorry, they were, they're the, the humanoid side? The humanoids, right. Oh, yeah. Human sized. Yeah. So, what we could do is we just have them be like accurate to whatever animals they are. So, like, a crow could be literally the size of a crow, but yeah, it's like, yeah. so the world is smaller than I think. We're talking about the races within the world rather than the world itself, which suddenly shifts the scale. Of quite a few things, actually, right? Like because the power difference and the the physical differences between the animal races could kind of be interesting to play with. Just just a tossing, just yeah. tossing it out there. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe that could work. Could work. Although it seems too easy. You know what I mean? That seems too easy, and not the oh glass menagerie God. nonsense. <laughs> well, yeah, that one's well. easy too. Yeah, but I mean, like. <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm, I don't feel as satisfied with it. I know. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm like ah, there's got to be something there. Right? It works. But yeah. Yeah. Like wonder. I'm okay with that idea, but in a way, it uh-huh. almost makes the world bigger because yeah. they're yeah. smaller within it. Mm, okay, so fine. They're all kaiju. Then the world is smaller. <laughs> 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 they're all each one of those kaiju. Holy yes. crap! Yes. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> that would be that would be oh, incredible. Man. Actually, I mean, okay. So what if we? We looked at the menagerie trope, right? Because we understand right. it is like a, it's a it's a trick in sci-fi use often. Yes. What if we twist that? The menagerie, wow. at least. Menagerie so there's a twist. To th- okay. Do you want me to just roll a second twist and then we can just resolve it? That <laughs> well, no, way? I mean we we spin it. So like typically, so menagerie, the, the episode that we're referring to, like in, in Trek, was the pilot episode, and it was about basically the crew being treated as zoo animals by some malevolent aliens. Yeah, uh, I honestly, I've never even seen that. <laughs> Oh, it's not good. (laughs) And and as a concept in sci-fi, it's like, oh, you know, you're really in an alien zoo, right? There's a lot of shows that have done that. But we're dealing with alien zoo and we're applying it to our thing. What could that, what can we do with that that's different? I mean, maybe that involves rolling another twist. I don't know. But what what do you guys think? I'm just going to roll another twist and see what we get. (laughs) I mean, we now have to add it to the menagerie idea, but let's see what happens. And this twist is... Everything is quote unquote backwards. Okay. Oh, okay. So wait, does that mean that they're uh, that these okay, hold on. Does that mean no, that we, we're rolling this twist to add to the one we have? To right? the menagerie, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. okay. Wait a minute. So the menagerie is backwards. Does that mean that these races are looking into a human zoo? So wait, is it just human yeah. zoo this time? <laughs> <laughs> so then it would mean that the occupants of the zoo are in fact the ones looking outwards at the zoo. So what's the zoo? Is it the animals and the civilization? Oh, I don't like this at all. I'm getting confused now. It's, it's made this, this twist is telling us basically inverted, which is what we were doing. Which we're yeah, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. um, <laughs> is like, damn it. Well, the only other op- option are the other, other groups are the apes, the humans and the, um, and the animals. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So are the apes still a factor? Oh, okay. Oh, maybe. Okay. So maybe when the apes left and they re-terraformed everything, it was to create a world that they could study. So like we still have the ape overlords. Mm -hmm. They're like 
sitting in a spaceship somewhere observing this world that is a the menagerie. That yes, that preserves Courtney's menagerie. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. other idea that I was thinking of is like. I mean, it's basically the same menagerie idea, but this is like a space station that was established by the mm-hmm. apes. Oh, hmm. I, I mean, look, I'm just happy that we have ape overlords personally. Like, I, I'm cool with that idea in general. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah, you could take it further. You could say that in the distant past, we were talking about Earth because the humans were overtaken by the apes, according to the prompt, Correct. right? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. then the apes went into space and it was in space in this artificial world that they that they actually didn't just terraform it, they created an artificial world. Mm. Ooh, okay. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so the human is important doubly so now, right? He is, mm-hmm. the, the human is the Rosetta Stone, but also they have the secret that, hey, the apes are still around. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not gone. Right. And they seem to be some, not necessarily bad because they rose up, but it, they seem to be at, at odds with the human potentially. Mm. Oh, and then, oh yeah. And then you have like the trope where the human tries to unite all the species to fight the overlords. <laughs> yes. Or the human's evil, you know, who knows? Well, uh, we mm-hmm. did literally call him Hitler multiple times. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. Mark Hitler, a robot crab man that they retrieved. <laughs> from the tube and they're like oh god it has crab hands and it has a hitler mustache and it's mark twain (laughs) yes yes uh yeah okay uh all right i'm i'm happy with that i'm Mm. I'm fine with it like it's ridiculous but the the looming threat or the looming eye of ape overlords is something that i do find appealing and interesting so Mm -hmm. i'm okay with this idea as long as we treat it this way yeah i think it also um calls back to one of the tenets from the prompts about like the classic fantasy tropes being reframed which we haven't really done a ton with yet but like the idea that there is a essentially like god figures watching over this world Mm -hmm. and studying it and all that yeah i mean i'm i'm okay with the idea that the ape overlords are like gods to them right Mm -hmm. and maybe they drop down like parcels of technology to see like what happens and stuff like that Mm -hmm. awesome Let's move on. Let's move forward from ape overlords, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and focus on the main quest line, I suppose, right? Like, what are we focusing on for that? I, I'm definitely seeing a young Corvid who is part of the Corvid people mm-hmm. who does his merchandy job and translating and stuff, who's not evil, but he's caught up in all this. That's one thing I'm seeing. Ooh, uncovering the conspiracy so we can yes. double down on the mm-hmm. idea of a civil war as well with this main quest line that's great yeah i love that yeah i like that a lot too all right so let's well now we gotta throw in some like fun characters to join this corvid on his quest to unveil the conspiracy but oh what actually makes that interesting or difficult actually is the lack of communication right because everything would have Mm -hmm. to kind of go through this corvid yeah and like are people gonna even trust what he has to say Mm -hmm. oh okay what might be interesting is we keep the cast of characters small then, right? Mm-hmm. Keep it to like, maybe this Corvid has like experience with a particular type. So let's name the second type and maybe we can go from there. Um, I'm inclined to go either cats or rats. For some reason, mm-hmm. monkeys don't appeal to me in this situation. Monkeys are too similar to apes. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. For the naming convention, it should have been rats, cats, and bats. But you know, mm, we'll, know we'll have that. to we'll yeah. have to take that one up with Matthew when the next time he submits <laughs> a prompt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So so Daniel, cats or rats? What would you prefer to focus on? 
I'm going to say rats because Courtney mm-hmm. was interested in rats before and they're more interesting to me than cats in the sense of less frequently used. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Um, how are our rats not just Skaven from Warhammer? Let's, let's start there. Uh, what are the Skaven like? <laughs> Uh, they are chemists who commit plague and um, and chemical warfare against their enemies. Oh. Yeah, well, they're not, not nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not that. I I feel like they're. I mean, rats are pretty intelligent. Like, it's true. You can you can teach them to do tricks and things, and mm. um, maybe that's even why they're getting along well with the corvids. Or this mm. particular corvid is like a similar type of um, problem solving intelligence. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So less like Skaven and more like Marvin the Warrior from Redwall. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And like that could even tie in with if if we have them go into this temple, like I'm sure there's going to be puzzles to solve and stuff. So Mm -hmm. they have to use their their wits to travel through this temple and get out unharmed. Yeah, I like that idea that like our Corvid, who's kind of the focus right now, Mm -hmm. is not even actually the hero. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that this rat slash mouse, this Marvin the Warrior is actually the hero. It's just that the Corvid tags along because they need a translator and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of reframes the whole thing in an interesting way that I'm that I kind of dig. Yeah, me too. Mm. Were you saying Marvin the Warrior, by the way? Isn't that what it is? Martin the Warrior. I swear it was. Is this one of those like <laughs> Berenstain Bears things? Because I, I swear it was Marvin so. the Warrior. No, it's definitely Martin. Because there's a there's even a book that is Martin the Warrior. I know that I know I read the book, Courtney. <laughs> That's how I know it's Marvin the Warrior. I don't know. I'm gonna fucking Google this goddamn Berenstein Bears bullshit right now. Hold on. Loading. God damn it, it's Martin the Warrior. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We have legally distinct Marvin the Warrior. Okay, okay. okay. it's Marvin, Marvin the Rat. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, completely unrelated to Brian Jocks and Redwalling. Mm-hmm. Every single way, it's yeah. Marvin the Rat Warrior. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> okay, maybe I was just illiterate as a child. I <laughs> that could be it too. <laughs> <laughs> I did read that book when I was like in fourth grade. <laughs> Almost uh, the same. Yeah. 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 Marvin, Martin, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I had a friend whose last name was Marvin who introduced me to the series. Maybe that's what I was oh, thinking. Oh, that could of. be it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is awkward. Let's just, okay. So we've got, all right. So what, so are they in the temple or are they trying to uncover a conspiracy? What, what are we thinking about here? What are we looking to do? Or are they kind of interconnected in that way? I don't know. I don't know if, um, I don't know what the plot would be so much, but I think that these two need to be relatively like unimportant in the sense that the, everyone else regards them as unimportant. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, yeah. And what they know or what they come across or perhaps their connection, like I don't know, maybe the rat person is connected to some royalty or something. And as their adventure unfolds, they become the ones in possession of something really dangerous Ooh, or yeah. some mm-hmm. possession of knowledge is really dangerous. And perhaps that leads them into the the larger plot to get the, uh, the human artifact. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hold on. We need to make this a trio because we can have comedic moments of mistranslation. Yes. We need mm-hmm. one also, more. also, I need to have a pun that is a play on Fafford and the gray mouser because we'll have a gray mouse and then we'll have a cat who's also some kind of a play on the Fafford name. But I'm trying to say that I want the trio for comic effect and also mm. so I can have that pun. 
and no other reason. So yeah, that's a trio now. Bam, we did it. Okay. That works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, Daniel, going back to your point. Yes, that is a fantastic idea that they are unimportant until this thing happens. And all of a sudden yeah. there's like great importance is thrust upon them very much in line with like a Hobbit situation. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like earlier we were talking about the Corvids having like a key to this temple. So maybe mm -hmm. our young Corvid has somehow stumbled upon like part of that key mm -hmm. or a way to use it or something to that effect. Hmm. That's that's always fun to do. Yeah. Also, we I just realized that we're kind of tying these tropes uh, like these traditional fantasy tropes back into the setting. Yeah. So we're even further satisfying the prompt. So bonus points for us. Good job, team. <laughs> yeah, good job, us. Almost like we should earn money for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If only there was some way that people could be patrons of some kind to mm. our content. Mm. Um, maybe in the future. Sometime. Maybe. Yeah, happen. maybe in the yeah, future. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What I think we need now is uh, let, let's just make an antagonist to make it interesting and fun, because I feel like that's mm -hmm. a fun way that we can talk about this as well. Obviously, we have a monkey and the Corvids themselves, right? Because the Corvids are going to be opposing to this kind of unveiling of their conspiracy. And I mm -hmm. think that we can make monkeys because no one here wants monkeys to do anything interesting or cool. So let's make the monkeys <laughs> Mm -hmm. Kind of like the antagonist or the 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 goons to the more overt conspiracy. Did we say that we didn't want to have monkeys because they're too close to apes? I think, well, no, when we were talking about like having them be part of the trio that we've created. Oh, right. I, yeah. I definitely yeah. still want them to be a part of the setting, but like maybe we just make them be goons or horrifying monsters. Like we'll make them more like <laughs> mandrills or something like that, you know, or baboons. I feel like I feel like I feel like monkeys should be like the one I know it's in the prompt, but we should be the one animal race that's not there because mm. the apes have evolved. Like maybe we, that's an opportunity for us to pick a different animal like bats, you said. Well, well, apes and monkeys are completely different. That's that's why I'm suggesting. I know, but in fantasy terms, though, they're the same damn thing. I, I like in the I like in the um, third tenet that he had brought up, yeah. like Moles. monkeys being elf like in their uh, connection yeah. to oh, the risen apes. And like maybe they are elf like too in the regard that they like don't really care about what's going on. They kind of oh, they're um, aloof. You see that. Yeah, they're like, well, you guys have fun with your hidden temple thing over here. We're going to mm -hmm. like do actually important stuff over in our monkey area. Yeah. If if they're in some way a derivation or connected to the original apes, then I could get behind it for sure. Like if mm -hmm. the elf monkeys are removed from society because they see themselves as like children oh. of the divine or whatever, yeah. that would make oh, sense. Oh, that's good. I like that. You know? yeah, yeah, I yeah, do yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Like like you don't make the delineation between ape and monkey, and so neither do they. Like they're exactly. like, Yeah, no, we're divine. Yeah. It's fine. We're yeah, divine creatures. Yeah. Right. Uh yeah, that's fun. And also that kind of high mindedness could align well with like a Corvid conspiracy. Like I could definitely see those two factions working together and kind of manipulating and, and being like just evil, right? Bastards together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that works. But let's, let's give us a, a goddamn antagonist. Like who, who represents this combination of Corvid conspiracy and monkey high mindedness? What's the physical manifestation of that, right? Like in inglorious bastards, Hans Lambda is the representation of Nazi power, right? So who do mm -hmm. we who's our Hans Lambda in this case? I'm picturing like a an old Corvid who's been around for a long time and mm -hmm. is very much like a a spy figure. Mm -hmm. Or is like constantly rooting around in everybody else's business, accruing knowledge. Oh, spy master. 
Yes. Yeah, essentially a gotcha. spy master. I like that. I can definitely see them with like one eye that's just like completely glazed over with like gray or something like that. But yep. the other one's fine. Uh, they should totally just have an eye patch. <laughs> no, no, it's not an eye patch. It's like you want them to see the dead eye, right? Because mm. what I give I'm- them both. Eye patch and the dead no, eye. No, he's just blind. <laughs> yes, he's a blind genius spy master. No, okay, okay, hold on. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, we can have one be one regular eye and one be the cloudy eye because the cloudy eye sees into the spirit world, and this person is a practitioner of magic. That's what I'm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Oh, maybe yeah, relating to the nature magic that we yes, talked about. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ooh. So part okay. of their part of their like spy power is some bit of nature magic, right? Like they can yeah. create or dissolve into mist or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's cloud eye and also he has cloud powers. Like I think it works out like thematically and everything like that. That could be cool. Or like the power to like shift vegetation mm-hmm. if he's flying above searching for things and stuff's hiding from him. He can just like Oh yeah. Shift the leaves aside or like make the roots move in certain ways to reveal his his target. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we can just uh have the best of both worlds and do both. Yes, yes. Cuz that oh, yeah, just have him be like a really powerful magic practitioner or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. That works. Okay, cool. So we've got our inquisitor type who's a spy master, old ass Corvid. That's the representation. I'm happy with this. And by the way, the fact that the trio has to like overcome one old ass man is like a really fun kind of like conflict that we can kind of explore. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh, what, what I think is I'm just thinking of a comical scene now where it's like the, the rat is like screaming at the Corvid and the Corvid doesn't understand what they're saying, but they're trying to translate that to the old man as well. So it's like, he says, he's going to like kick your, your tea, your, your feather. I don't know. I, I, like something like that. I think that'd be a fun mm. little moment to have, but okay. I'm very happy with how this whole setting has worked out. Uh, do we have anything else that we need to go over before we wrap up the episode? Um, I do think that the monkeys do have a potential to get more involved as this quest Absolutely. moves along. Like mm-hmm. once they realize like, Oh shit, like what if they do unlock this power that's in this, this place that we didn't really believe in. It, it questions their divinity as yeah, a result. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they probably, you know, are related to the apes in the sense that they get some kind of divine communication with them, you know? Ooh. Yeah. Well, mm, ooh. Ah. It could like literally be like experimental implants or something in their ooh, brains. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's exactly. And then because we have ape overlords as like the trope, right? When the mm. gods talk to them, it's through the implants. So yeah, there is a oh divinity inspiration here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's so ridiculous. I love that. <laughs> okay. Yep. I'm down. I'm happy with this. Well, okay. I think that's a great note to go out on. So again, a huge thank you to our listener, Matthew N for submitting this prompt. Remember that if you want us to build your world, like we just did with Matthew's prompt here, You can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we will be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so over on Twitter, at Let's World Build. You can go to our Discord and chat with us directly and become part of our community that way by clicking the link in this description. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon, where you can get access to patron-only episodes, early episode drops, 
and double the length whenever you submit a prompt for your episodes. So a huge thank you to our listeners. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. And remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week. 